So hey, let's, uh, if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 4, and uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you that it's a joy to be a part of your fellowship, it's a joy to be a part of your family. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the victory that comes in Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that we can come to you with all of our troubles, our problems, and our messes, Lord, and we just lean on you. And not on our own understanding. We acknowledge you. And you make our ways straight. You make it secure, Lord. You make it right. And God, I pray today for every family that is struggling with uh, trials and tribulations. For every person uh, who has got lost loved ones who we are trying to reach for the Lord. God, give us wisdom. Give us clarity. Give us power in the Holy Spirit. That we would uh, be lifted up with Jesus Christ. And that you, Father, would draw all men to yourself. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. We are in a series uh, for a while called Timeless Testaments, and we're going through the major stories of Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, and bringing out some of these things to see Jesus Christ in our lives through these great stories of faith. And today we're going to talk about Deborah, uh, the story of Deborah. And I'm going to title this message, Rising in the Lord. Rising in the Lord. Uh, has there, is there or has there been maybe a war going on in your family. If you're like me, uh, you probably have extended family members uh, that struggle. Maybe your family, even immediate family, has struggled. If we could go down the list and begin to pull out all of our family trees and all the things that go on uh, between January and December in our families, we would probably talk a little bit about divorce. We'd probably talk a little bit about depression. We'd probably talk a little bit maybe even about drugs. We could probably talk about some disappointments, some losses. We could probably talk about some defeats uh, that happen in all of our families. And maybe your family's story is a lot like that, like mine. It might involve some drama around holidays and birthdays and Christmases. It might enjoy, uh, go through some things. We might, our family story might involve some disappointments. And how many of you feel like you're the only one or one of the few people in your family standing up for holiness or standing up for righteousness. Maybe you're here today or listening uh, and you're like, man, I'm the only one in my family that is going to church. Or I'm the only one or I'm part of the small group of people in my family that really have continued to stay sold out for God. Uh, and I grew up that way in a rarity. Our uh, I come from a very Christian family. My mom and dad are very Christian. Uh, grew up in church my whole life, but often in our extended family, uh, aunts and uncles, brothers and cousins and things like that, like many people in the church today, we have those family members that we've always tried to encourage, and uh, their, their stories see, seem to be a little bit more complicated than ours. Uh, growing up, my mom and dad uh, gave their life to the Lord at a young age, in their teenage years, and without, we all had our problems, we all had our difficulties, but I can honestly say that compared to those in the world, our family's story is a lot less messy. How many people know what I'm, under, I'm saying today? Uh, being in the world and being without God, your story gets really, really messy, uh, and maybe your family's story is messy today, but I want to ask you, what would we do and what could we do if we could see righteousness, that is right relationship and right living, in our families last for a whole generation? That'd be my prayer. I want to see righteousness last in my family for a whole generation. And what if we could see that today? And you might say, hey, Pastor Heath, I have tried. 
my family doesn't listen, they won't come to church, or you could say, Pastor, I'm not that kind of a person, I'm not a preacher, I don't know all the right words to say, I don't know all the right things to do, uh, I don't have that education, I don't know all those scriptures. Or you could say, man, there is so much standing against my family right now, whether it be drugs or divorce and separation, there is so much that it would take uh, to reconcile our family together. There's long histories where people have just really ultimately hated each other that we can't even have a reunion together. Pastor, you don't even understand. We can't even get in the same room together. How many people know what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand. But uh, there's so much against us. I'm going to ask you today, who do you think can really be used by God? And it's those that love God with all their heart, who hear and obey His voice, the Bible says they will rise with Christ into victory. Uh, you can be used by God today, and I believe God can use you to make a difference in your family. And if it's not your family, it might be your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. God uh, will use every person who will be li- uh, willing to hear his voice and obey it. And so how many people want to rise in the Lord with me today? Somebody say amen. All right. Story of Deborah. Look at Judges chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read a little ver- some verses. And let's just, we've got to read the whole story to get it today. I'm reading the New American Standard. So bear with me for a second. And some of these names are going to be fun to pronounce. Okay. You ready? Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera. And who lived in Herosheth Hagoim. Say that five times fast. Okay. Now the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Okay. So now Deborah was a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, and she was judging Israel at the time. And she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah, she had a palm tree named after her, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent one day and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali. That's a city in an area called Naphtali. Uh, And said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has committed, Go and march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun. That's two uh, tribes of Israel. And she said, I'll draw out to you Sisera, the bad guy, the general army, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. Then Barak, the Israelite general, said to her, if you'll go with me, then I'll go out. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I'll surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take, for the Lord will uh, will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And then Deborah arose. Everybody say, arose. Remember that. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up with him, and Deborah also went up with him. Now, here's a side note. Now, Heber the Canaanite had separated himself from the Canaanites. Some dude separated himself from the sons of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pinched his tent as far away as the oak in Zenanim, which is near Kadesh. Okay. Let's get back to the story. That's a side note. Then they told Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, and Sisera called together all of his chariots, 900 chariots, iron chariots, and all the people were with him from Herosheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. So Deborah said to Barak, Arise. Everybody say, Arise. 
Arise, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and all of his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot. He fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harosheth Hagoim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. Now, the story goes on, and basically, Sisera, that general who ran from his chariot, runs to uh, this place, and that family who had moved themselves uh, uh, from that area that we get that little side note about, that family, Heber the Canaanite, had separated himself. They moved farther away, and his wife, Jael, happens to meet Sisera uh, uh, coming. And thinking that they were allies, but really Heber uh, and Jael were allies of Israel, she took him into the tent, uh, she made him real sleepy, put a blanket on him, gave him some milk to drink, and when he was asleep, she took a hammer and a tent peg and ran his head through the ground, and it's not a very pretty story, but she killed him, okay? Uh, we'll keep it PG, uh, 13. And she, she uh, killed him, and then they had the victory over the Canaanite general, and then later they had the victory over the Canaanite king. So God uh, moved that man there, and his wife there, because he knew this battle was going to come, and he had purposefully placed this family there, and he purposefully placed Deborah for such a time as this. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Deborah's today. Who are Deborah's today? And you could be a man or a woman, but we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a Deborah today, and what does it mean to rise in the Lord for your family. I'm going to give you like five or six points here. Uh, about rising in the Lord for your family. Now, Deborah lived in a physical kingdom of God where there's a lot of war and bloodshed and all that kind of stuff. Today, we are New Testament Christians. We live in a spiritual kingdom, and Jesus has won the victory, and we are living for spiritual battle. We're fighting spiritual battles today. And so all of this is spiritual for us. So we're going to look at what their physical kingdom did and apply it to us spiritually. How many people are ready? Somebody say amen. Okay, so let's do the setting. So that was dark days. Man, dark days. Israel had repeatedly fallen away from the Lord. Joshua, Moses, all that generation died. A new generation rose up that did not know the Lord. They kept falling, and God would raise up a judge, and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon that judge. He would lead them into victory, and the judge would die, and Israel kept going back into idolatry. And so this is dark days. The Canaanite king... Uh, had rose to power because Israel never got them out of the land. So this Canaanite king, I'm talking a real evil dude. We're talking about people who uh, send out their soldiers and they rape and they pillage and they murder. The Bible says in that day, people feared to even drive on the highway because they feared they'd get killed or raped or, or, and things would bad would happen. And they had these 900 iron chariots with spikes on the wheels that when they went out to battle against anybody else, man, they just mowed their le- cut their legs off. I mean, this is some bad stuff. And so Israel had fought and lost and fought and lost, and there was no one left who was willing to fight. In fact, none of the men and the generals of the army even tried anymore. they just given up. And it was so oppressive that day, even so much that the economy of Israel had just gone down the tubes. People were just in a depressed state. Okay, so it's dark days. And this went on for 20 years until really nobody had any fight left. This is just how life is. And they were settled with this uh, dark day of depression. But maybe today, let's apply it to us. Maybe today you live in a day in your family 
You live in a day in your circumstance where you feel like, man, nobody is standing up for God in my family. I'm the only one who is still giving God a try. I'm the only one who's, who's really caring about this. Or maybe you live in a day where, again, your life, your family is messy. Satan has robbed and attacked your family. Your story perhaps is dark. Maybe your family is plagued by financial issues and everybody's hitting you up for money all the time. Uh, I know that happens. Uh, people are just, their life is in chaos, and you're, you're just trying to be the one that holds it all together. You're trying to be the one uh, when everybody else is bound up in trouble. Maybe you're the one that bails people out of that trouble or bails people out of jail even. Uh, and they've all given up on church and you stand alone. How many people know what I'm talking about? Somebody say amen. Okay, we all have stories like that. I know. All right. And so the day, day is dark. But the Bible says here that the people of Israel cried out to the Lord... And God would raise somebody up. Uh, Number one, the first part about being a Deborah in your day is let people get sick of their situation. Uh, Let people get sick of their situation. That's number one. Before God ever raised up Deborah to fight, the people had to grow tired of their sin. I know for a fact too often we try to bail people out of all their problems only to get disillusioned with God and them when it never works. You know what I'm talking about today. We try and we try and we try. We try to help, and that's good. The Bible says we should uh, be a light. We should preach the gospel. We should tell them what righteousness is, tell them what holiness is, tell them how Jesus can do it uh, for them, but that's the key right there. I can't save nobody. Amen? And so the, there's no salvation without repentance. And the Bible says in Proverbs and Peter that just as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. There has got to be a change in their nature. And uh, the Bible talks about in this chapter that they had to realize in Judges 5 that war was at their gates because they had gone after other gods. You see, I've got to get to a place, and our families and friends have got to get to a place where we say, I am sick and tired of trying to do things on my own. And I recognize that I'm the problem in my life. I recognize that the common denominator with all this drama and all these issues is not everybody else. It's me. And so for us to be able to help people, number one, we have got to let people get sick of their situation. We have to get sick of sin. We have to get uh, sick of self. And we have to get sick of society. And they have to realize the reason there's drama and trouble in your life is because you haven't given it over to Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's where you start. Number one, you want to be a Deborah? Let them get sick of their situation. Does that mean, Pastor, you don't help? No. Does that mean you don't pray? No. Does that mean you don't speak the gospel to them? No. But it does mean that you can't help them until they're ready to give it over to Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, number two, let's go. So Deborah, she's this charismatic leader, and the Bible says she was the wife of Lapidoth, and that word there means torches. So literally it means she was a woman of torches, meaning she was a fiery, charismatic, spirit-filled woman. She had that fire, that passion in her eyes, and the Bible says she would, uh, that she would sit under the palm of Deborah in Judges 4-5 between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. All right, so Ephraim's her tribe. Uh, and she's south, uh, a little north of Jerusalem, in the middle of the country. And people, the Israelites, would go to her for judgment. Now, follow this. Here's this woman in a day of darkness, in a day of messiness, in a day of depression, and no men. She lives in a society of men. 
And to be a leader, you've got to be a man. And to be a leader and be respected and listened to, you often have to be a man. That's the way the ancient culture worked. But here's this woman that God is drawing people to her, and they raise her up as a judge. What's a judge? It's kind of like a governor. It's a political office in a sense without officialness. It's like uh, we recognize this woman's leadership ability. We recognize her uh, power and her authority and her wisdom. There's something about her, and people began to draw to her. And the Bible says in Judges 5, 7 that she became as a mother to Israel. She rose to influence when no other man stood up. And she became like Moses before her, that people recognized the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. So people treated her like a governor. But it wasn't just uh, a political position. It was a spiritual position. And her position, listen to me, her position became popular because the presence of the Lord. Her position became popular because the presence of the Lord. What is your position in your family? What level of influence has God given you if your coworkers or your friends or your family members? What level of position, what position do you have with your grandkids or your uh, nieces and nephews, your sons and your daughters? And you think, well, Pastor, who is ever going to listen to me in my family? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Uh, and we go to the family reunions and we have these things going on in our family. People are not looking to me. I'm not the one going to quote a verse. I'm not the one that's going to stand out and, and preach, you know, before a family reunion or a family get together. And I'm not the one that's just dragging people down and, and throwing the Bible. I'm not that kind of a person. Here's the deal. Deborah was not a man and she was not Moses, but she was Deborah. You don't have to be Pastor Heath. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be the best Sunday school teacher, the best worship leader. You just have to be who God has made you to be. She wasn't Moses, and she wasn't the general of Israel's army, but she was a person who said, I'm going to have an ear for the Lord, and I'm going to seek after the Lord. I'm going to have the fiery presence of God inside of me. And her position became popular because of the presence of God inside her. What does that mean? She knew who she was in the Lord. She says that she sat underneath a palm tree in Israel. That was a popular place uh, to hear from God. Trees and mountains, often it was as if you would go away and get alone with God. People would pray under trees. One, probably because it was hot and there was shade. But also palm trees represented victory. The palm leaf, the palm frond represents victory. And so in my mind, just spiritually speaking, I think she knew who she was in the Lord. As in, I rest under the victory of God. I am getting alone with God. I know who I am in Him. And even if there's no other people to stand up in my country, there's no other people. I am passionate for God. I'm passionate for my people. And I'm passionate for the presence of the Lord. I know who I am. The Bible says that you and I together have been raised up with Christ in Ephesians, that he has seated us in heavenly places, and that in Christ we are victorious, that that is your position. Do you know that today? You have a position in Jesus Christ. I'm just so-and-so. I'm just me, Pastor. I don't don't have a... But you have a position in Jesus Christ. That position is victory. Somebody say amen. That position is victory. You can rest in victory because of Jesus Christ. You have been saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 5 through 6. He raised you up with Christ and seated you with him in heavenly places. 
Even though you're in this world right now, even though you live in a day that is dark, that is dire, that is depressing, that the world doesn't follow Christ, you are seated in heavenly places. You've got to get your mind around the fact that this world does not determine my destiny. This world and its difficulties does not determine how I should think, how I should act, how I should speak, even how I should feel, because I am seated in Christ. You've got to get that. We're not going to go on until you get it. We've got to get who you are in Jesus Christ. I don't care if somebody has slandered you, said you were no good, says you are nothing. doesn't matter. You can talk to the wall or talk to the hen, how they used to say in school. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He has purchased my victory. I rest under his palm tree. Amen? Okay. Amen. I am positioned in Christ. And God has given you that spiritual position, but he's also given you a position in your family. You are a mom. You are a dad. You are a grandma. You are a grandpa. Uh, whatever the me, me, nana, and all those other words that we make up for our, our dear loved ones, right? Mia. Uh, I, but also, you could be that crazy aunt or uncle. We need some of those in the family, right? You could be that crazy aunt or uncle. And here's what Deborah did. She turned her position over to the presence of God. She turned it over. I'm just a woman. Who am I? What am I doing in this country? I'm nothing. But she turned who she was over the presence of God, and God began to draw people to her. Let me tell you, if you begin to turn your position over the presence of God, know who you are in Him, and turn what influence you have in your family over to the presence of God, people will be attracted to you. People will come to you for counsel. The Bible says that they notice something in this woman, and she's at the center of Israel. And people for miles said, i got a situation I can't figure out in my life. Well, you know what? There's a woman 10 miles away, 11 miles away, 100 miles away, that when she speaks, it's the voice of God. And let's go see what she's got to say, because I know she knows God. We need to be some of people like that in our families. We need to be those people that say, you know what? I know that there's dark days. And number one, I know I'm not tracking people down. I can't beat them over the head with a club enough to make them live right. I know that. I've learned that now. I can't make people live right. But what I can do is know my position in God and give my position in this life over to Him. Amen? So number two, be known by His presence. All right, so number one, let them get sick of their situation. Number two, be known by His presence. They'll seek you out if you have the counsel of God in your life. So then here one day comes, Deborah, uh, she gives this prophetic word. One day God speaks to her something different. She's sitting by that tree giving counsel. I think the presence of the Lord just came over her, and she said, hey, there's this dude who lives on the other side of the country up north. You're going to go tell Barak and tell him to uh, send somebody to go tell Barak to come to you. And Barak, this soldier on the land of Naphtali, maybe he was a general back when, but nobody had been fighting now, but he'd go to this other region, this other state in Naphtali in the far north, and he's gonna, you're going to tell him, take 10,000 warriors. What warriors? Nobody's fighting anymore. There is no army. Everybody's given up. But he's going to recruit 10,000 men, and there is no shields. There is no spears left in Israel. I want you to get 10,000 of your beaten-up, ruggedest, uh, guys who used to fight, maybe they all got these big bellies now. I don't know. It's been 20 years since we really had some good fighting going on. And I want you to get these 10,000 people. Maybe they're dusting, they got to dust off their armor out of their trunks. And they got to put it on. And here's these men who used to be 20 and fighting, but now they're 40. 
All right, and they may be a little rustier on the edges. And I want you to get all these has-beens and get up to the mountain and wait on the Lord. And he's going to give you victory over these 900 people, or 900 chariots of iron who has plagued you for 20 years. Now, that's just kind of outlandish if you think about it, right? But he says, okay, here's the question. Can God speak to you crazy things in the darkest days? Can God speak to you outlandish, impossible dreams when nobody else is dreaming? Nobody else would even dare to think that way. And they would shrug it off as that's not even the voice of God. That's so outlandish. I can't believe that's even possible, Pastor Heath. Oh, God could never do something like that in my family. God could never bring us all together. God could never overcome all the difficulties that's been happening. God could never heal all the wounds and the hurts that so-and-so did in our lives. God could never bring all my kids together for Christmas. God could never get that person off of drugs or never bring this relationship back together because it's impossible. It's been decades, Pastor Heath. You don't even understand but do you have a voice of the Lord? Are you able to be so caught up with God when everything is dark and depressing around you and nobody else hears his voice? How do you know? Can you hear God's still small voice in the midst of deafening idolatry in the world? Can you hear that God is speaking a day of victory when you've had seasons of defeat. Amen. Can you hear him speak the day of victory in a season of defeat? You know, it only takes one moment with God to alter the course of the world. It could be years of defeat in your life, but one moment with God can change everything. Amen? But here's the deal. Sometimes we get caught up on this And we want God to act now for our family. God, there's a crisis going on. You've got to move. You've got to do this. You know what? Every day, every week, there's probably a crisis in our families. When they're not walking with God, there's always, it's 20 years of crisis for Deborah. 20 years of crisis. You're like, God, you've got to act now. You've got to act now. God, you've got to do this now. And God's just like, you know what? Hold on. Wait till I speak. So we get a little caught up sometimes. Deborah waited until God said, call Barack. She could have said, man, we, I'm tired of this 20 years of defeat, man. We got to get Barack on board. We got to get a strategy here. We got to get a plan. And you're going to go tell her and she's going to tell him. And then that's going to fix that situation. And if I just give them enough money and pay off their bills, then they'll finally be able to live on their own and do things that are right. Nope, nope, nope. Done all that before. Tried it all before. Failed and failed and failed. She waited until God spoke. You see that? Jesus said in John 12, 49, I don't speak of my own authority. The Father who sends me commands me what to say and how to say it. She let people get sick of their sin. They cried out to God. She knew her position and presence in the Lord was in victory. And she waited on God to speak. Number three, wait for God to speak for your family. Don't underestimate long seasons of prayer. For 20 years, Deborah had been praying. And it was one moment, and she was ready. Amen? Wait for God to speak. So hearing this, she's this faith-filled person. Now, Barak says, okay, I see the fire of God in you. I know you heard God's voice. I'm going to go. 
but only if you go with me. So Deborah, it says, Deborah arose and went with Barak. I love that. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 9. Deborah arose and went with Barak. And so he knew, man, God is with this woman. Here, I'm the general. I should be leading the charge. But I see the confidence in the Lord in this woman. And so uh, her confidence became his confidence. And this general of a man is now a trusting woman. Why? Because she had the presence of the Lord. She had a faithful testimony in God. And maybe uh, in a moment of crisis in your family, God's going to call you to speak something into their lives. And they're going to believe it and they receive it in that moment. And then now what? Maybe that family member is going to say, hey, you know, I can't do this alone. Can you come to this court date with me? Can you pray for me? Can you, can you give me counsel in this area? And that's as a believer. That's called discipleship. That's when they say, yes, you've responded to the things of God. And I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to be your best prayer partner. I'm going to be your encourager. I'm going to go to battle with you. And when you're praying for your marriage to be restored, I'm going to get in the closet and pray hard as just as you are. And that's our job, Christian. That's our job. When the world responds to the things of God, we don't say, come to sit on a pew and good luck and God bless you. We say, no, I am with you thick and thin. I'm going to walk through the hottest fires with you because you have trusted in the Lord and because I am going to be an example for you. I'm going to be your best cheerleader. And so many times in the Christian church, we just say, I'm so glad somebody raised their hands and joined our membership. That's not what Christianity is all about. We are here to walk with you, encourage you, lift you up, edify you, help uh, carry your load. You carry your, you're responsible for your load. Yes, and I'm responsible for my load. But Galatians tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That I am here to help you. So when you say, uh, I'm a Christian now, I'm giving my life to the Lord and I can't do this alone. No, you've got a church that's going to go to battle for you. We're going to be here for you. And just as Barak wanted Deborah by his side in battle, in those toughest times, it's because the Holy Spirit is in you that your family is going to turn to you for prayer and for encouragement. You think about Peter. When he was about to go through some hard times, Jesus said, Peter, I've prayed for you. I've interceded for you. Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed to the Father for you that your faith would not waver. Jesus went to battle for Peter before Peter ever went to battle. That's your job, seasoned saint. Amen? I don't care if it's just praying. Your job is to go to battle with these young Christians and say, I am interceding for you when you go to that court date. I am interceding for you to get your kids back. I'm interceding for you in your marriage. I'm interceding for you uh, for that child who's wayward. And we're going to go to battle together. So number four is go with them. Deborah, she could have just said, no, I'm I'm a prophet. I'm a judge. I'm a woman. What kind of woman goes to battle? No, she got up, rose up in the Lord and went with him to battle. I think she was right there as they began to get on top of that mountaintop, maybe even a sword in her hand. She was ready. She was ready to fight. And so the troops now are on both sides of this, this, uh, this situation. We have a mountain over here by the Sea of Galilee, a really tall mountain. And up on the top of this mountain is 10,000 has-beens and Deborah and Barak. And somehow or another, they have mustered those 10,000 people. They never underestimate what the Lord can do when you wait for his timing. And so they've mustered together something that is seemingly impossible. And they down below in this valley, in the Jezreel Valley, which is also called the Valley of Armageddon, by the way, is this river. It's called the Kidron River. 
All right. And so she she's mustered them there uh, and they got this iron chariots. All are filling this valley. Nine hundred of them, plus all their soldiers with spikes on the wheels designed to mow down every single one of them. And Deborah's team doesn't even have shields and spears. The Bible says that they uh, all that stuff has been lost to them. And so here they are. I don't even know if some of the guys had pitchforks. Maybe they had some rusty old swords and they're thinking, how in the world We've fought these guys before 20 years ago, and we had the stuff, and we had the tools, and we had all the things we could do. Now, how in the world are we going to fight these people? And then in a moment, the Holy Spirit came upon Deborah. I, I bet she could sense uh, the, the, oh, my gosh, I could just see all those men are thinking, oh, my gosh, how and what have we got ourselves into? They're going to kill us all for sure. How are we going to do this? And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Deborah, and the Bible says, what did she say? She said, arise, arise. For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. And in that moment when the Holy Spirit came upon her and she said, Arise, they shouted, they raced down that mountain into the valley of the shadow of death. They began to fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord was with them. The Bible says that as they begin to fight, here's all these has-beens coming against these 900 chariots in Judges 5. It says that there was a torrent of rain. Uh, Some people think it was even sleet and hail begin to come down on the enemy's side and begin to flood that little marshy valley. And all those chariots just sank in the mud. The weapons that the enemy had that was going to mean for destruction, God stopped them in their tracks. And those has-beens with the Spirit of the Lord took on that army of 900 chariots and they began to flee because the Lord was fighting their battles, not them. Amen? That's the same way for your family. Your family may say, Man, we have tried this before. I've tried that court date before. I've tried to get my kids back. I've tried to get them out of drugs. I've done this and that, but yet you've never tried it with God. Because the Bible says in Psalms 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, they'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll say to the Lord, You're my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And a thousands, verse 7 said, May fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. When you know your position in God and you rest in his presence and you wait for his voice to speak. And if God says, I'm going to give you victory, then you better expect victory. You better expect victory. Let God fight for you. It may seem like the end. It may seem like Armageddon for your family. You're looking over that valley and you're like, oh my gosh, this is Armageddon. This is the end. It's going to be the enemy has got the best tools on our side. They've got the best lawyer. They've got that drug uh, dealer that keeps getting onto my kids. You've got uh, uh, all these drugs and alcohol that are pulling them. You've got uh, all the job issues that we can't ever get that job. You don't know our financial situation. You don't know our credit report. We've got all these issues that have been fighting against us. But now, guess what? You've got Jesus fighting for you. You've got Jesus fighting for you. And just as God positioned a storm and just as God positioned a woman named Jael to be there at the right time, I know that if God speaks victory in your life, you can be sure he is positioning everything in place to be there at the right time and the right moment. Deborah and Barak did not know about the storm. They did not know about Jael and her family moving to that other place to be there when the general fled. That was all in the eyes of God. Our job is to respond in faith to the word of God and let God win the victory. Amen? 
It's not about me to figure out how God's going to do it. It's just me to say, I'm going to be up on the mountain with all of my has-been stuff and all of my years of defeat, but because I've got the voice of the Lord speaking, I know God's got my family to have the victory. Amen. Amen. And what happens is, lastly, is this. Give glory to God. Deborah wrote a psalm and ju- a song in Judges 5, and it tells us that Barak's rally, he, Barak went and rallied these 10,000 guys from Naphtali and Zebulun. But it even says a little bit more in Judges 5. It says that even other tribes, when they saw this, when they saw that these 10,000 men were coming together, that Ephraim and Benjamin and Issachar, in Judges 5.15, joined the pursuit, joined in the victory, and that all of these tribes had rest for 40 years. 40 years is a generation. That sometimes you don't even know what God is going to do in your family and your situation. If you do your part to rest in His presence and know your position and wait on His voice, and then you respond in faith, God may inspire more than the people you've even been praying for to join your team, to join the victory, to get on board. God might have revival in store for your family. That it might be you've been praying for two members of your family, but it might end up being four or five members that come back to the Lord when they see what God can do. And that's what happened in this situation. God didn't just reach those two tribes that are fighting on the front line, but he began to rally people around them and said, yes, we see now because you have been faithful for God. I see what God can do in your life, and now I'm going to join in. I want the victory that you've got. That's what God has in mind. But let me tell you the other side of that coin. The Bible also says in Judges chapter 5 that there were some tribes that didn't get on board. Asher in the north, they were on the coast, and Reuben in the south, they were real far away, and Dan, these, these didn't get on board. And so what do we take away from that? Sometimes we, we get so caught up and say, well, you know, they didn't help me. They didn't get on board with what I was trying to do. They, they, nobody helped me out here. Nobody uh, came and, and participated in what we were doing, and nobody cared about me. And, and, but here's the deal. You can get so stuck up on all the family members that don't come to God. But when you really are missing the big picture is that God had all of this in mind. That even though your family members weren't with you, God was with you. Even though they may not have come, but guess what? Some did. Some are still serving God today that you've prayed for. Some are. Some situations, we can get so caught up on all the things that couldn't, didn't work out, we miss all the things that are happening in our lives. We get so caught up on the negative things that we forget. Stop. Give glory to God for what He has done and is doing in our families and in our circumstances and in our situations. So Deborah wrote that psalm and began to give glory to God. One man with God is a majority, they say. Let's be obedient with those who will listen, that have come on board, and we say, God, I'm going to give you the glory for what you're going to do and what you've already done. Know your position in the Lord. Speak when the Lord speaks. Lead when they ask you to lead. Let God fight for you and them. Realize this, that Deborah didn't go out there alone. Sometimes you've challenged somebody in the Word of God and you've called them to do what God has called them to do, but guess what? Barak still had to get the sword and get the men and get on the mountain. Deborah didn't do that for Barak. They have to respond to the Word of God. And we can pray and we can fast and we can point people in the right direction, but at the end of the day, they've got to respond for themselves to the things of God. And thank the Lord in this situation, Barak responded, and Deborah went with him. But lead when they ask you to lead. 
and let God fight for you and them. You can't do all the fighting. Let God do the fighting and give the glory to God. And I'm going to give you one verse and close. Judges 5, 31. This is how she ends the psalm. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the rising of the sun in its might. You will be like the rising of the sun. And I'm going to say S-O-N there because the Bible says you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And those who love Jesus Christ can't help but win because Christ has already won. Amen? Those who love him will rise like the sun. You want God to do something in your family, be seated with Christ, know your presence and your position. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. I believe God wants to speak to you. And let's just respond and let His Holy Spirit have His way today. What is God speaking to you about the story of Deborah? Can you be a Deborah in your day when nobody else is standing up for God? God might be wanting to do something great through your life to see victory for your family or your friends. And so, Father God, we just come before you today and say, Lord, we are helpless and hopeless without you. We live in a day surrounded by difficulties, surrounded by defeats. But God, we are going to rest in the victory of your presence. Like Deborah, who sat under that palm tree for years, oh God, we're going to be waiting for you to speak knowing who we are in the Lord, not depressed, not discouraged, not despairing. God, we're rejecting all the things of the enemy who wants to take us down with everybody else. We're standing up. We are rising up in the Lord because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, those who love him, that we are called according to your purposes, O God. You've got great things in store for us. And no matter what anybody else does around us, God, we know we're already victorious. Before we ever fight that battle, we know we're already victorious in the Lord. So, Father God, maybe there are people here who are discouraged. They've been praying for years, for decades, for family members or friends or situations to work out. God, we know you've got the victory in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we're giving that situation over to you. And our job today is just to rest in the victory under that palm tree, in the victory of Jesus Christ, and speak when you speak, and go when you say go, to encourage those who are turning to the Lord, to live a life of holiness as an example to other people, that you, Lord, might draw all men to yourself through us, O God, your church, your bride. Hallelujah, Lord God. Holy are you today, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord God.